With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. Uh, We appreciate you checking in with us again today. I'm Tyler, and with me here, as always, is my co-host, Curtis. You can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA and or you can email us at Glory UGA podcast at gmail.com. Also, in addition to finding us on Dog Sports Radio, where I know a lot of you guys listen to us, uh, we have and we partnered with them for a couple of years now. But you can also find the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, any and all of those platforms as well. Uh, we kind of we just kind of hope that makes the show easier, maybe a little more seamless for you guys to access out there. And also, if you do enjoy the show, it would definitely, definitely help us out tremendously as we keep continuing on the process of trying to grow the show and bring you guys more content. It would uh, definitely help us out if you would take a second or two, subscribe to and review the show on really any of those platforms, but especially iTunes and SoundCloud. That would definitely help us out. We would appreciate that, guys. But as for today's show, we have a little bit of a mixed bag of topics that we're going to run through, really two things that we want to focus on. And uh, first thing, even though the basketball season is it's in the rear view now, I mean, no doubt we're all looking forward to the football season coming up here. Hopefully, I mean, well, no, it's still what five months away. Seems a long time, but it'll be here before we know it. Uh, but we're going to start by talking a little hoops as Yante Maton declared for the NBA draft last week. But don't worry, we do also have some football talk for you as well as we are going to try to explain what uh what Kirby Smart was really trying to say last week in an interview where he was. Comparing Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. But, Kurt, let's start with the Yante Maiden news. I, I know that we're a little late touching on this. Uh, I think the news broke Thursday. Does that sound right, Kurt? Thursday or Friday. Yeah, yeah, Thursday or Friday. But regardless, whenever it broke, it was after we had already recorded our last show of the week. We recorded our uh, Thursday show on Wednesday night. So we'd already recorded that show. So we haven't really had a chance to touch on this yet. So I know a little late, but I guess when we're getting around to talking to it. But, uh, Yante Maiden, you know, I, I would say, Kurt, wouldn't you agree, clearly our best player last season? Um, For the beginning of the season, yes. I mean, when he went out, then J.J. took over and was dominant for, what, a five- to six-game stretch there. But I think most of the season, I think he he was one of, if not our best player the entire season. And he carried us through the first part of the season because J.J. was really struggling early on. But regardless, he's one of our best players, and really one of the best players in the SEC. Um, but he's declared for the NBA draft. But, big but here, he is not hiring an agent. What that means, uh, if you guys aren't aware of this, I'm sure most of you guys probably know this, but just in case you're not, uh, if you're not aware of this, by not hiring an agent, that means that Yante is going to retain the ability to pull out of the draft. They changed the rules a couple of years back to where you can submit your name for the NBA draft, go through the entire pre-draft process, but if you don't hire an agent, you have the opportunity to pull your name out of the draft if you do so within 10 days after the final day of the draft combine, which I think is in the middle to late May, somewhere around there. So basically he has until late May to pull out of the draft if the feedback he's getting from NBA teams as he works out for them is not so positive. He doesn't feel like he's going to get drafted. So, Kurt, um, I guess my first question for you on this, do you like that rule that the players can now 
declare for the NBA draft, or they don't hire an agent, they can kind of um, pull out. Do you like that? Yeah, I do, because I think it gives these ki- uh, kids an opportunity to test the waters without, you know, fully screwing themselves over. Yeah, and um, it was past what? I mean, it really was, it was a couple years where there were a ton of guys declaring early for the draft, and guys really had no business declaring early, and they didn't get drafted, and they can't come back to school, and you're left with nothing. Like, okay, what do you do? You're not going to play in the NBA, you don't have a college degree, what do you do for the rest of your life? So, you're with that? You're cool with that? Yeah, I think so, especially, you know, there's a big difference with, like, football and in baseball, where you have to be, you're there for about three years before you can go forward. Where uh, basketball, after one season, you could de- potentially declare. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Baseball and football are different. Obviously, football you have to be out of high school for three years. Baseball you can go straight out of high school, but if you choose to go to college, you have to go to college for three years before you can can make it to the show. Go to, or at least I guess declare for the draft and go pro. Basketball, you're right. It's a little bit of a different animal. And a lot of those guys, they see that they see those dollar signs in their eyes, and they want to declare. A lot of them come from some from backgrounds where they need to make some money to help out their families, and so you understand where they're coming from. But in reality, it might not always be in their best interest. So I think this is definitely something that's really positive um, for those players who are potentially thinking about making that jump to the NBA. Uh, all right, next question though for for you, Kurt here. So I, I'm with you. I think we both like the rule that you're able to do this. Um, but was this the right move for Yante at this point in his career? I think it's the right move for him with the fact that he didn't hire an agent. You know, he had a great season. Potential, he was, you know, a potential All-SEC, uh, the SEC Player of the Year. He just had a great season like that. So why not test the waters to see where you sit right now while not burning your eligibility? Yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on there, man. Like, what's the risk to doing this? You know, like, I don't, there isn't one, right? No, I mean, I think it works to his favor to see, you know, go up, you know, because most of them, the thing is, they get to go through the combine now. Then you go to the combine, go through it for a couple days, see where he is against the rest of the talent, see what the scouts may want him to improve on, different things like that that could just, you know, that could be beneficial to him for next season. Yeah, and I think, like, honestly, I think this rule is made for guys like Yante Maiden who are really good, borderline dominant college basketball players, but might not translate, their game might not translate to the NBA, and you don't know, like, what's that line? I know I'm a really good college basketball player, I'm skilled, I'm talented, but does my game translate to the next level? And a lot of those guys, they, they make that jump, they think they dominate in college, so yep, I'm going to dominate the NBA, but it's not exactly, it doesn't always go down that way. So I think for a guy like Yante, this is what, what this rule is put in place. Because we don't know. It'd be really interesting to see what some of the NBA evaluations are. This rule is not for guys like oh, John Wall a couple years ago, DeMarcus Cousins, those kind of guys. It's not for those. Lonzo Balls. Those guys are one and done, like no doubt. You know that their game is going to translate to some degree to the NBA. It's for guys like Yante. And I, I think it's a no risk for him. It's going to give him information as to what he needs to work on uh, if he does decide to pull his name out and come back. And uh, it's just a really good move by the NCAA to do this. The NCAA takes a lot of heat for a lot of different things, and very much deservedly so on a lot of fronts. But this rule is something I think the NBA and the Players Association for the NBA, for the NBA I believe, is also involved in this. They got this right. But I think it's more so the NCAA was really heavily involved with this. So I think it's definitely a no-risk proposition for Yante. Why not just see? And if you like what you hear, you're getting positive feedback from guys who are actually involved in the draft process, who are looking at potentially drafting. If you get positive feedback from them, then stay in the draft. If they're telling you, I don't know, man, I don't know if, if you're going to get drafted, then you can come back. It's just no risk involved there. Uh, but the, maybe a bigger question for us next year, 
as Georgia guys. What do you think? Or do you think Yontay is going to end up ultimately staying in the draft? I mean, time will tell. But the, right now, do you think he stays in the draft, or do you think he'll be back in Athens next year? Um, you know, I think he should be back in Athens. You know, I'm not sure how great of a pro he is. And the thing is, you know, while he's improved his shooting, he still has a lot to do to become the pro prospect that he might want to be um you saw him take some huge strides the last couple seasons but there's still parts of his game that he needs to improve because he's not one of these guys to be able to go out there and play the five for anyone in the nba and if he wants to be a stretch four, I still think he still needs to improve his shooting even further yeah i'm with you man my big question for yante in terms of whether or not he's going to stay in the draft or come back to athens next year where does he fit? You know, in the NBA, where does Yante Maiden fit? He's a guy who's, what, about 6'8", 6'9", about 240 pounds, depending on what measurements you're looking at. That kind of guy in college is clearly a power forward. But is Yante Maiden clearly a power forward in the NBA? No. I, I don't think so. I, I, he, and he, he definitely can't play. I mean, he sometimes can play center at, in college. You No way Yante Maiden can play center in the NBA against guys like DeAndre Jordan, that kind of guy. You're not going to do that. He's not really going to play power forward in the league. Uh, and to play small forward or maybe power forward. Some of these guys are combo forwards. Uh, we can play power forward or small forward. But at 6'8", which is what Yante is listed at on georgiadogs.com, you're going to have to be able to defend. To me, that's the biggest thing for a guy like Yante Maiden. It's not necessarily his offensive game. Well, I have some, I have some concerns there. But defensively, he's got to be able to defend the likes of Paul George, Draymond Green, Paul Millsap, Gordon Hayward out of Utah. Do you have any confidence in him being able to defend those type guys? No, not at all. No way. Paul George, Yante Maiden on Paul George? I mean, that's a nightmare for any team with Yante Maiden. I mean, I love Yante, but there's no way at this stage in his career he can defend those guys. And those are the kind of forwards you see, those combo forwards that you see in the NBA. I just, at this point, I don't think there's any way that he can match up with those guys. So if he, do, if he can't play center, he can't play power forward. It's kind of a back-to-your-basket kind of power forward, which is really not something you see in the NBA all that often anymore. It's kind of a lost start. Um, then, but then he also can't defend some of those combo forwards like Paul George, Paul Millsap, Draymond Green, those kind of guys. I, I don't know where you fit. And I, I think his defense is really what's going to hold him back more than anything. I mean, offensively, let's go to his offensive game here for a second. I mean, he's skilled, right? Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a skilled player, but from my point of view, from what I'm seeing, tell me if you disagree with me, Kirk, I mean, I, it's just what I'm seeing. But what I see out of Yante is most of that offensive skill, which is which is significant. It's based on what he does in the post, is it not? Yeah, it's a lot of it comes down to his positioning, really. You see him where he'll get the ball down low, and he's already in a position where in the NBA, you know, we've already talked about it, he's, it's going to be hard for him to get a position like that against people who are longer and stronger than him. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I mean, it's all but for him. In the what makes him so successful at the college level is positioning, like you mentioned, positioning and using leverage. He understands how to use angles very, very well. You know, and a lot of that is involves him getting low post position, which I don't know if he's going to be able to find much success as a back to the basket type player in the NBA. Like you mentioned earlier, he's going to have to develop a more consistent uh, jump shot. I mean, at his size, really at six eight, about two thirty five, two forty. He's going to have to prove he can almost be a wing-type player. I mean, yeah, I mean, you got to look at it, especially like people that are going to the draft this year. I mean, just look at Justin Jackson from North Carolina. Yeah. He is six foot eight, and he's a, a three guard. Yeah, a little bit of a different body type, but you're right. The height is the same thing. You're right. And that's and I think 
because th- th- you're right. That's what guys Yante size do in the NBA. They're wing players. Paul Georges, you know those kind of guys. Millsaps. They're they're essentially wing players. Justin Jackson. Uh, those guys are are wing players and. I just don't know if Yante has that skill set at this point. I'm not saying he can't develop it, but at this point, I just don't think he has that skill set. I mean, he's going to have to dramatically improve. First round pick. Well, I mean, the NBA there's only two rounds. You first or second. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if you're going to get a second round pick, why not get your educate education and things like that? Yeah, and try so, to improve your your stock to where maybe you can potentially be a lottery type pick. Exactly. I mean. Just like just the aforementioned Jackson, he's one of those that put his name in last year, didn't get the exact things he wanted to, came back and played himself probably into a higher pick. And Yante has that ability, especially without JJ next year. Do you really think Yante can improve his stock that much by coming back another year? I think he could improve shooting wise and make himself a little bit more athletic and more attractive to teams with the idea that he can stretch him. I mean, look at Draymond. Draymond was not the highest picked guy. Um, he was late in the second round, but the thing is, he's made himself so versatile, and you might need to see something like that out of Yante. And Draymond Green, he did that in, at Michigan State. I mean, I, I, I'm an avid watcher of college basketball. I mean, I watch it nightly during the season. He he was one of those guys that really evolved and became more versatile as his career moved on. He got better and better each year. In his senior year, he's being able to knock down perimeter shots, being able to handle the ball, doing a lot of different things. And I think, honestly, I think that Yante is going to decide to come back because I think he's going to get a lot of that feedback that we're kind of going over here. And look, there's guys that do this for a living a lot more than I do. And, I, and he's a really skilled player, but I just don't think his game's going to translate based on what it is right now. I think you're right. He's got to learn to be able to put the ball on, uh, on the ground, on the floor. He's got to improve his ball handling skills. He has to become a much more consistent catch-and-shoot guy, be able to create off the dribble. And those are all things he hasn't really done at this point in his career. He's flashed all those things, but he hasn't done it at anything remotely approaching a consistent level. If he comes back another year, I'm with you. I think he can improve on all those things, right? I mean, those are all skills that you can improve. Yeah, I mean, look at the improvement you've seen already from year one to two to three. I mean, you've yeah. seen improvement, which I think he could continue to do. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, year one, I mean, he showed flashes in year one, right? And that's when Marcus Thornton was here. Uh, but what I saw out of him in year two, that was a massive jump for him. Uh, year three took an even, an even more took another jump. I wouldn't say it was as big of a jump from year one to year two as year two to, was to year three, right? Yeah, I mean, but you you expect that. But it's, the fact the biggest jump for him in going into year three is I think he became a better, a little bit. He wasn't a consistent three point shooter, but he had a bigger threat in year three than he was year two. Yeah, and he as a as a shooter from distance, he's got that spot at the top of the key, right? Yeah, see, that's one thing where if you see him, you know be able to shoot it from around the key instead of just at the top. Yeah, because he does right that. There. He comes out, you know, he's a trail position, right? He's, he's the trailing he guy. Trail three. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he hits that trail three like nobody's business. It's right at the top of the key consistently, I mean, fairly consistently from there. But I, very, very sparingly have I seen him shoot uh, from distance anywhere else on the court uh, from any other spot out there. And he, I mean, did you see him try to create much off the dribble? Out, I mean, with a face-up game? Uh, with his back um, to the basket, with a face-up game? That's when he started getting into trouble you saw a lot of the fouls. Yep, foul trouble. Absolutely. And he, he, you're right. I think one of those things, he doesn't do a great job at this point. He hasn't shown the, really a, a great ability to control his body in, in the air. You know, he, he can maybe get the ball to the top of the key and, and put the ball on, on the floor, one, two dribbles here. But then he runs into somebody, like you mentioned. Uh, being able to control your body, know what to do with it, maybe develop a little floater, something like that. Those are all things that are skill-based uh, pieces of development that he can develop with another year back in the system, back in college, I believe. 
But then the the argument is, well, if you're going to get drafted, wouldn't you rather get paid while you're developing? Yeah. I mean, I would. But the question becomes, do you get drafted? Exactly. I mean, is it a chance where you're having to go through the D-League and that's a lot of uncertainty and then at that point you still don't have a degree? You don't have a degree. You can always go overseas and play Europe, China, wherever. Middle Eastern, they got some teams over in the Middle East, but I don't know, man. Uh, I if I look, I'm not him. I, I've never been that talented anything in my life. So who am I to say? I depending on what I heard from NBA scouts and guys who I'm working out for. If I if I don't hear a strong, they can never guarantee you're going to be drafted. But if those projections are consistently at least getting drafted, maybe even in the second round. I wouldn't even think about staying in the draft. I'd, I'd come out. If, if there was even a, a shred of doubt that I might not get drafted, I'm coming back because I know that I can improve my stock with developing like all those things we were saying, a face-up game, a little bit more of a consistent face-up game, be able to develop that shot consistent, maybe a little more creative off the dribble. Those are things that you can work on with another year in the system. But do you have any faith in Mark Fox to help him develop those skills? Uh, that's a good question. See, I actually do. I mean, Fox has a ton of faults as a coach. Don't get me wrong, he does. But if you now, there's always you know there's always gonna be a guy here and there that you say, well, he didn't really develop him. But look at some of the guys that really did develop under Mark Mark Fox, developed their skill set over the course of their career. Look at Marcus Thornton. Man, Marcus Thornton used to make me want to punch people. How bad he was. But by the time he, he was here, his senior year, that dude was a leader and a baller out there. Look at Nimi Jurisic. You know he definitely developed over the course of his career. You can say the same about Kenny Gaines. Now Charles Mann's always the exception. You say he regressed over his career. I think most guys improve under under uh, the tutelage of Mark Fox. I think that's one thing that, that is a strength of his. So I, I think that Yante can get better in another, with another year. But, I don't know, we'll see. But, uh, okay, let's say if, big if here, if Yante does decide to keep his name in the NBA draft, what does that mean for our 2017-2018 basketball team? I think it gives us that much more experience with the fact that other than Juwan Parker, I mean, uh, it gives us if he decides if he decides to keep his name in the draft. What does that do to the team? Oh, in the draft, it really hurts us. It hurts our depth down low. Um, as unimportant as Houston Kessler was, and uh, he was a body at least. Yeah, exactly. That was a body where if they got into foul trouble, at this point, you've only got Edwards and uh, um, Derek Abide. Um, so, I mean, that's a big problem with only those two guys who, first off, bring nothing offensively, and then second of off, there's not a lot of depth there. Yeah, we got Rayshon Hammonds coming in as a kind of a combo forward, but he's really more of a wing-type player than he is a guy that's going to you know bang down low. He's not that type of player. At least I haven't seen that from him as much as I've seen him you know play as a He's kind of the guy that – he has the skills that Yante wants to have, wants to develop that face-up game and be able to put the ball on the court and take it to the rim. Um, but yeah, I think the depth is definitely going to be an issue for us, no doubt, if uh, if Yante leaves our front court depth. So you mentioned Obede there, and Edwards don't really have much of an offensive game. Do you think there's any way Obede can take a make a big jump offensively, kind of like what Yante did from year one to year two? Obede could do maybe in year two to year three? Not at all. I don't think you're going to see much of an improvement. I think if you're seeing anything improvement with him, it's going to be... You know, with his back to the hoop, you know, more or less getting a better hook shot and some more moves. But I don't think. You're I mean, he basically has one offensive move, and that is a, yeah. and that's the he's got a little up and under hook kind of. And actually, doesn't really have an up and under. It's more like fake to the right or fake left and spin the other way and throw the hook up. That's about all he has. Yeah, yeah. it is. And that's and he's he's got some decent touch on it from time to time. But 
I will say this, at least Yontay, like Yontay as a freshman wasn't a dominant player, not not what not the level he has been the last two these last two years, but uh he at least flashed those skills, you know? Like watching him as a freshman, you could see moments where it's like, oh, this guy's gonna be good, man. I, and Obede is a good player, but he is not that he hasn't really flashed that offensive skill. I mean he's had a game here or there where he's had some big scoring numbers, but a lot of those are on putbacks, dunks, things like that where guys are getting dribble penetration. And uh, dishing off to him, he gets an easy look, things like that. He doesn't—he doesn't really create much for himself down the post. Now maybe he can make that jump with with Jonas Hayes working with him down low. But right now, I'm not going to count on that. Like I, I, I'm not at all. So if we have depth issues in the front court, if Yontay stays into the, in the draft, what do we do? How do we how do we get buckets? It's going to be fun, but to see because there's not going to be that much. I think, um, especially with what we're going to have in the uh, backcourt. I think we're gonna have to go guard heavy, but the thing is, like, we don't have a ton of great guards either. Like, well, no, we don't. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, we got you got Turtle Jackson. You've got, uh, I guess, Jawan Parker. Looks like he is gonna be coming back for his senior season. Oh, yeah, the Achilles surgery at right after the season. Uh, then you got the guys who are the rising sophomores and Jordan Harris and Tyree Crumb. I like what I've seen out of Crumb. He's still got a lot to grow, a lot of room to grow, and so does Harris. Harris got a lot of room to grow. He had moments, but. He was also completely clueless half the time out there. And Turtle Jackson, do you have any faith in him at this point? He hasn't consistently shown anything. Yeah, he's shown flashes. Another guy who's shown flashes, and maybe it's because he hasn't gotten that much time on the court. His, his minutes have been inconsistent for the most part in his first two years. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, Jawan Parker, look, Jawan Parker at most is probably going to be a... Tw- uh, what do you, do you have faith in him to even average double figures next year? No, I don't. I really don't either. I mean, he can have a game here or there where he gives you 12, 13, 14 points, something like that. But, and he had a couple of those games this past year where, where he kind of looked like he might be emerging as that third scoring option. But then he, he'd fall off for a couple games. Then he might have another game where he gets 12 points. And then he'd drop off and have four or five. It's just nothing consistent. So, like, with the lack of depth we would have in the front court if Deontay decides to stay in, in the draft and actually end up hiring an agent. Well, that would hurt us, and you would think, okay, well, let's go, let's go guard. Hey, let's go with a four guard lineup. But we don't have the guards for that. We we might actually have four guards that can play. We have four guards, and I, and and they still all have a lot to prove. And that's with nobody coming off the bench. Maybe you could have Rayshon Hammonds as a freshman coming in, factor in there somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. It's I I think if Yante goes and stays in the draft, and that's going to really hurt this team. Um, with a team that I I don't know it could be a fringe bubble team, but potentially depending on who develops and and how how much progress we make from this year, I'll say this though: if Yonce Maiden doesn't come back next year, I think there's probably a better chance than not that Mark Fox gets fired. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I mean, look, I, I'm not in the business of hiring firing coach. I really don't because I mean, it's it's a whole family thing. I mean, I, I do not take any solace in a coach getting fired. I don't, I don't take any pleasure in that at all, but. I mean, really, I, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that Mark Fox's future as the head coach of the University of Georgia rests on Yante Maiden's hands and the decision he ultimately makes here with this NBA draft. Because if he comes back, I think we have a good shot to make the tournament next year. Now, you can say that a lot of teams around us in SEC are getting better, which is very true, but I think we'll at least have a shot with Yante, who I think could potentially be the preseason player of the year in the SEC. I said that coming in this year, and he ended up an all-SEC first-team guy. Um, but without, without Yante... I have very little hope this team is going to make the tournament. Maybe they'll surprise me. And if we don't make the tournament next year, I think Fox, Fox is gone. Like If you look at some of the comments, you read between the lines some of the things that Greg McGarrity said. Now, he did say a lot of the same things last year, too. So take it for what it's worth. But 
I don't. I think if we don't win the if we don't go to the tournament next year, I think Fox is probably gone, and I think our chances made the tournament are pretty uh, slim without Yante Maiden. I don't know. I don't know. Be interesting. Be interesting to see how it turns out. All right. Uh, let's move on to some football conversation for a minute or two here. Uh, Kurt, last week, did you get a chance to catch Kirby's interview on Six Day of the Fan last week? I did not. Okay, so this might be new for you here. So Kirby uh, went on the front row on 680 The Fan last week, and uh, he had this to say when asked about the quarterback competition between Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. It's always a competition, but I I, I can't say that he's better than him or he's past him. That's not the case. Um, Jacob's ahead of Jake, but what Jake has done so well is sit in a meeting room and answer questions that are like, boom, he knows the answer right now. He can takes notes. He drives the price sky high because the standard is being set by him, and, and Jacob's having to keep up with that. Now, performance on the field, Jacob's doing a good job. Jacob's communicating well. Jacob's gotten a lot better, but I think Jake Fromm has a lot to do with that. So, Curtis, I, when I heard this conversation and heard him say those things, I, I, I kind of like, huh? That kind of Because... I, I don't know how you can say both things in the same sentence. You can say that Jacob Eason's ahead of Jake Fromm right now, but Jake Fromm is setting the standard for the quarterback. So I guess, Curtis, my question for you is this. like, What is it? Like On one hand, Kirby's saying that Eason is ahead of Fromm in the same sense he's saying that Fromm is setting the standard. You're smarter than me, man. So can you explain to me what in the hell Kirby was trying to say there? Um, you know, I think partly trying to say, you know, I think it goes back to a look at what Bryce Ramsey did. You know, he came in, uh, Aaron Murray was ahead of him. He didn't take it as serious, knowing he wasn't going to have a chance to start those first two years. And I think that what, the way Fromm is coming in, battling, you know, the way of saying that he's been battling, watching film, trying to, you know, trying to make his mark is, you know, the standard of what Kirby expects from, you know, these young guys that come in. And, um, you know, come into your program early, especially, and you want them to be a staple of it, especially going forward. And I think that he's saying, you know, setting the standard of how these guys need to come in and take care of their business. But if you're setting the standard for everyone else to follow, wouldn't that then necessarily make you the leader? It could make you a leader or at the same time say you're doing it the right way. I mean, like we had always talked about with um, Bryce Ramsey, the reason he couldn't catch up was, you know, he had hadn't been serious enough about watching film those first two years, sitting back and, you know, he didn't try to learn with Murray and Mason to take advantage of that time he had. Well, if Brom is doing that, then he's setting himself up to be the guy as soon as that opportunity arises where, you know, Ramsey wasn't in a position to take that once the the time came. And I think he's saying, you know, if Brom keeps in, keeps doing the thing, you know, keeps doing things how he's doing it when his time comes he'll be ready to go so you're basically saying kirby's trying to just say that Fromm's doing things the right way the way that he expects quarterbacks to do their job i think not only quarterbacks but in general how he expects these young guys to come in and get acclimated into things just by listening i don't know if you've heard some of the comments kirby's made about uh from since he's gotten here i mean you guys know as well document i have a man crush on jake from i i readily admit that but don't you kind of get the feeling that kirby smart does too I think Kirby Smart. I think he has a major man crush on Jake Fromm. Yeah, I think he he definitely. I mean, you could tell Fromm's been his guy. I mean, that was the one that they, you know, we had um, the other uh, the other quarterback committed, but they Fromm was their guy that they went after and got. So I think that it's definitely someone that he likes and someone he sees that can do great things, especially with his leadership and his hard work. And um, I think that he is, you know, every bit of what he thought he was. 
Oh, he said that from day one. I mean, he's, he came in here. He, remember when he first got here, like in January? He, he, he Kirby openly said Jake Fromm as soon as he got off the plane and got here, coming out, coming over from the Army All American game and rolling in class. The first thing he did was get the phone numbers of all the receivers so he could dial them up and and start getting some passing leagues organized where you're just working out during the off season. So I mean. It, He's the kind of guy that Kirby loves. I mean, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Eason is ahead of him. But I think, if, like we had said before, you know, if they come in at the same time, things may have been different. Because who knows? I don't think, while Eason did work hard and did what he had, had to do to put himself in a position to be the starter, I think at the same time he probably could have, you know. He could have worked harder. Yeah, I think, well, I think the one knockoff on him last year could have been he wasn't a leader in the huddle, didn't have control of it, things. Where you're seeing it this year where Fromm is coming in right away and trying to set that standard. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think Kirby, he's clearly very excited about what Jake Fromm brings to the table from a leadership standpoint, from a preparation standpoint. And remember, Kirby Smart, this is still, I mean, this is year two in his tenure, so this is still very early on in the Kirby Smart era. And he's still I mean, very much. Think, I mean, at the same time, he's not knocking Eason at all. He's not. I mean, he's talked about how much how much strides Eason has taken. Oh yeah, he, he's he's been very complimentary of Jacob Eason too. It's just so I think I think that needs to be mentioned as well. As yeah. While he's been so complimentary of Fromm, he has been of Eason in the same light. You know, talking about how he's become more of a leader, knows what he's doing, things like that. So I think while he is giving Fromm his due, I think like we're saying, I think it's one of those things. That like it is the guy he recruited. He's coming in doing it the right way, the right the way he's expected him to do it. I, yeah, I think he's sending a message to the current team and guys who are recruiting everyone out there because, like I said, this is very early in the Kirby Smart era. He's still very and much. And Eason to say, you know, you, you know, there's always a nice reminder to Eason too that while you're doing great, you're doing things the way we want you to. You're taking these strides. You still can't get comfortable. You still have to oh, always sure. be pushing. There's no doubt. He's. I mean, Kirby's all about competition and lighting the fire. I mean, competition is what brings out the best in all of us. I mean, yeah, Kirby look, believes look that. how he openly calls people out all the time or calls out a group of, you know, the offense, the offensive line, the defense. I mean, he's always out there calling people, challenging them. So you could also see it as another set of a challenge for Eason too. Yeah, very, very, very true. And it's, it's, it's early in Kirby's tenure. He's still trying to really go out the process of establishing his his program and what his expectations are, getting guys to buy in. I think we definitely you hear that we have a lot more of that this year because uh, a lot more of the leaders, he was talking about in the same interview, a lot more of our leaders are guys who were actually playing. Last year he was talking about you know the 13 class, the senior class. It's hard for them to be leaders. A lot of them weren't, really weren't playing. They weren't contributing. There weren't that many of them. So he's trying to set the standards, set the expectations for a program and get people to buy yeah, in. And Fromm is exactly like, what he wants our guys to be. He wants them to be vocal leaders good, and hard workers. He made a great point talking about it last year. He was begging, begging oh, for yeah. leaders to, to come forward. And I think he's, he doesn't want that to have to happen anymore. And so, he's, like you said, he's wanting to teach these guys from a young age what it means to be a leader and stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think he's like, when, when all the complimentary things he had to say about Fromm, I think he really is trying to point out to his team and everyone else out there this is what I expect you guys to do. This is what yeah, I want you to him. do. Yeah, I, think, I really think that's what he's saying. And you're right, though. He's been very complimentary of Eason, too. It's not like Eason's shrunk from the challenge. Eason's risen to the challenge from all accounts. And I'll tell yeah, you, exactly. watching... I mean, it's not like it's just one way. It's both ways, which is actually, you know, it, you know, it's a good feeling to hear it being said about both guys. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we're in really good hands right now. We don't have much depth in the quarterback position. When we're just an injury away from being a really dangerous situation. But the top two guys we've got there, I mean, it's that's about as good as you're going to find right now. And to the point where really right now we're having trouble finding quarterbacks in the 2018 class because who wants to come in behind two guys like that with no class separation? Uh, so that's it's an interesting situation for us to be in. But uh, yeah, like I, Easton's been. I'll tell you right now, watching the scrimmage, the first scrimmage last week. I mean, 
Eason is ahead of Fromm right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. watching them. Eason's more in command, although Fromm is not far behind. But Eason, he's a little more in command. He's taking the strides that Kirby mentions. Like, Kirby, it's not just crap. I mean, Kirby's telling us the truth. He's taking strides. He's being more accurate the ball. He's more demonstrative out there. He's more vocal. Um, he's definitely taking a, a, st- a step. Um, I, I will stick with my statement that I made last week, talking about our first scrimmage, that I still believe if Fromm and Eason came in the same class, Fromm would have beaten him out because Fromm is ahead right now in his first spring as an early enrollee. Fromm is light years ahead of where Eason was last year this time as during his first spring as an early enrollee. And that's okay, but we're not comparing them at that point. Right now we're comparing Fromm as a true freshman in his first spring with Eason as a rising sophomore with a full year of starting under his belt. And at this point, Eason is ahead of him. And I don't I don't see that Fromm is going to take that from us. To take that from not only does Fromm have to be just as good as Eason, he has to be better than Eason, flat out better. And I just I don't think Eason's gonna allow him to do this. Eason is making strides. He's rising the challenge that Fromm has presented. He uh I mean I can't speak to what they're doing inside the the Bud Smear facility and studying film, but everything you hear from Kirby is that he's really raised his game there. So I, I, I'm I'm thrilled with what we've got at quarterback right now. But I still, I mean, but it's just funny, and I, I'm sure Kirby had to say it all over. He probably wouldn't say it that way. I just like when you say on one hand that Fromm, that Eason is a is ahead of Fromm, but the Fromm is setting the standard. I think in some way, like those comments are almost mutually exclusive. Like if you think about what industry you're, like whatever industry you're in, like isn't the company or the individual that typically is the one setting the standard? Aren't they typically the leader in the field? For the most part, yeah. But I, I mean, but you know, we're talking about football, and I think you you made a really good point there. Since it's, it's a different animal, Kirby's kind of pointing out saying that Fromm is setting the standard of what we expect from our players to do in terms of a work ethic, preparation, leadership standpoint. Especially with that being his true, his first true recruiting class, and how he wants guys to, to act and come in. I think you know, especially what's making him happy. Yeah. Do you uh, are you sticking solid on Eason being the guy this this year? I am, like you said, Fromm has to be better than him and that's that's hard to do especially as a freshman yourself when you're gonna have you should, even though you know he may be a little bit ahead of where Eason was this time last year he has to be better he has to almost act like he's not yeah. a freshman if he was to play because Kirby can't afford to play you know right. play another freshman through through learning mistakes yeah I mean from from doesn't need to be better than what Eason was as a true freshman Fromm needs to be better than what Eason is right now as a rising sophomore with a year under his belt I just don't think he's going to be able to pull that off Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I want the best guy to win. I mean, I, I, yes, I have a man crush on Jake Fromm, but right now I, I, I still think it's in our best interest for Easton to be the guy to rise the challenge and improve his game, which it looks like he's, he is doing, and then for Fromm to register. I'm still sticking to that, even though I love Jake Fromm. I think long-term he's going to be a really, really, really good player. Maybe a potentially an all-time great player for us in the quarterback position. I, I truly believe that. And I, I know there's not much evidence to base that on, but just what I've seen from him, watching him since his sophomore year, um, he's got what it, let's say he's got what it takes to potentially be one of the all-time greats. He's still got a lot of work to do to get there. I don't want to put pressure on him, but he's, he's got it from, a, from an internal leadership standpoint, from a uh, that kind of intrinsic motivation standpoint, that work ethic. He's got what, you, what it takes there. So it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out. I, I still think Easton's going to be the guy this year, and that's probably in our best interest. All right, guys, that's all we've got for you today. Check back with us uh, later this week. We will be... Previewing G Day, we'll be going over what we were going to be looking for, things that we hope that happen, uh, and just kind of talking inside and out what's going to be going down. G Day, we'll talk a little bit about the recruits who might be showing up there. So check back with us later this week's all things football. Uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, guys. We always appreciate it. And as always, go dogs.